For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Mark Didici. You're listening to Daybreak. This is a show in which we'll explore the week's top stories, both on campus and around the world. Just like in episodes of the news from the past semester, we'll focus on brevity and clarity in detailing the complex issues that face our world today. Once the semester begins, we'll restart our daily show, and we'll keep this one too. But for now, you can find our episodes every Sunday morning on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or dailyprincetonian.com. Here to tell us about this past week, we have Prince Head News Editor Zach Shevin and Associate News Editor Marie Rose Scheinerman, both class of 22. So Zach, Marie Rose, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So right off the bat, there have been some important updates this week on how Princeton's semi-reopened campus will look this fall. So Zach, could you tell us a bit about what we now know about the student experience this semester? Definitely. So earlier this week, we got the formal uh, notice that all student organization facilities would be closed this fall. That includes 48 University Place, Home of the Newsroom, as well as Wick Hall, Campus Club, and a, num- a number of other uh, practice and rehearsal rooms, student group offices. And then um, also yesterday, the Interclub Council posted an announcement saying that all eating clubs would be closed in the fall for the first time in a century. So it's, it's definitely going to be a different campus experience as uh, administrators have said many times this fall, even though we're having some people back on campus is definitely gonna be very, very different. So a lot of closures, how does this news fit in with where Princeton and New Jersey currently stand in handling the pandemic? Yeah, well, when you look at uh, case numbers across the state, in New Jersey, there's not, um, compared to the nation at large, where a lot of states are currently spiking, uh, New Jersey cases, the curve is relatively flat. Um, In Princeton specifically, last um, there was very recently a period of around two weeks without a single reported case There were three reported cases this week, but in general, case counts have been pretty low around Princeton. But we we still see something that's going to affect a lot of students uh, come August is New Jersey has added a few more states to its uh, travel restriction list. So students coming from what's now a list of uh, 22 states, as it stands now, are going to have to quarantine for 14 days upon arrival in New Jersey. So Marie Rose, I want to turn to you to discuss something that ties into another major feature of the summer, that being the anti-racism movement in America. A few weeks ago, a group of over 350 Princeton faculty members and staff signed a letter calling for anti-racist teaching and diversity in decision-making at the university. And shortly thereafter, Professor Josh Katz of the Classics Department penned an op-ed called A Declaration of Independence by a Princeton Professor. So what was the gist of this op-ed? Yeah, so I spent much of the last week covering kind of the controversy and backlash to the op-ed, which was published July uh, July 8th, where Professor Katz was responding to the letter, specifically a number of demands that he found, uh, particularly in violation of what he called academic freedom, um, such as a proposed uh, faculty committee that would evaluate potential racism Um, on campus, including in faculty research. But what really kind of struck people, struck many observers as as worth challenging in his op-ed was his characterization of the Black Justice League, which was um, a 
black student activist group active on campus from 2014 to 2016 as quote a local terrorist organization so many students um, professors and alumni have come forward denouncing that characterization um, one of Katz's own colleagues uh, in the classics department professor Danel Padilla Peralta who is also a former student um, of Katz's called it flagrantly racist um, the chair of the classics department Michael Flower called it absolutely abhorrent, and president of the university, Christopher Eisgruber, said he personally and strongly objects to the false description of a Princeton student group as, quote, a local terrorist organization. Katz, in turn, um, penned his own statement in response to some of this backlash defending what he called blunt speech. Blunt speech, that's interesting. Has any action been taken against CATS by the university or by the classics department so far in response to this op-ed? So there was a public statement signed by the four senior administrative officials, including Flower, um, published on Monday by the classics department where they sp specifically said that CATS does not speak for the department. And they also put, on, put out another equity statement in which they spoke about how the department is working towards inclusivity and diversity. As for the university, um, spokesperson Ben Chang um, told us that the university will be, quote, looking into the matter further. Outside of Princeton, it has been a busy week. As anti-police brutality protests in Portland, Oregon reached their eighth week, unmarked federal agents have been arresting protesters there. U.S. Customs and Border Protection has admitted that they have been one of the agencies behind the officials, and CVP Commissioner Mark Morgan tweeted that his agency will, quote, continue to arrest the violent criminals that are destroying federal property and injuring our agents. A Department of Homeland Security memo from Thursday warned that those agents lacked proper training in crowd control and in handling demonstrations. The memo noted that, quote, if this type of response is going to be the norm, specialized training and standardized equipment should be deployed. The city's mayor and the governor of Oregon have both demanded President Donald Trump remove the federal agents from Portland. In the ongoing U.S. presidential campaign, former Vice President Joe Biden has continued to hold a substantial lead over the president, with recent polling averages by 538 showing the Democrat up around nine points nationwide. Eleven days ago, allies of Biden and former rival Senator Bernie Sanders released an extensive joint policy package detailing a slate of widely accepted liberal ideas. The plan did not go as far left as some of Sanders' suggestions during his campaign and seemed geared towards building party unity in an effort to defeat the incumbent. President Trump held a tele-rally for supporters this week, which the campaign expects to be the first of many. While New Jersey has seen cause for optimism in its trends related to COVID-19 cases in recent weeks, Texas, Florida, Nevada, Alabama, and dozens of other states have all seen sharp increases compared to previous months. The national rate of newly reported infections has nearly tripled in the past month. Late Friday evening, lifelong activist and Georgia Congressman John Lewis, one of the most foundational figures of the civil rights movement, who dedicated his life to causing what he called good trouble, died after a battle with pancreatic cancer. He was 80 years old. 
That's all for Daybreak this week. Be sure to tune in again next Sunday for the latest in Princeton news and an overview of the week's events, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or dailyprincetonian.com. Our show is produced under the 144th Managing Board of the Prince, and our theme was composed and performed by Ed Horan, Class of 22. For the Daily Princetonian, I'm Mark Fidici. Have a wonderful week.